It's 11 minutes before the hour. You are listening to Raven Radio, KCAW Sitka. Today is Tuesday, November 9th, 2020. I'm Aaron Fulton with Raven News. When the Sitka Assembly meets tonight, it will consider an offer from the Southeast Alaska Regional Health Consortium to buy the former Sitka Community Hospital building. Search acquired Sitka Community Hospital through a merger in 2019, but it bought the business, not the building. It's currently leasing the building to house the long-term care unit. Search also uses the facility to provide urgent care and rehab services. According to a letter from Search CEO Charles Clement, as the consortium expands those services, improvements must be made to the building. He writes, quote, This level of investment will only be feasible with ownership of the facility. As the hospital ramps up for the upcoming expansion of the Mount Edgka Medical Center in Japonski Island, Search may need to relocate more staff and services to the Sitka Community Hospital building during construction. The Assembly must consider whether it wants to sell the property, if competitive bidding is necessary, and whether to put the sale to an advisory vote in a 2021 general or special election. In other business, the Assembly will consider establishing a climate action task force and a resolution, quote, encouraging people in the city to continue COVID-19 prevention efforts for keeping Sitka's schools open. The Sitka Assembly meets tonight at 6 p.m. Raven News will broadcast the meeting live following Alaska News Nightly. Sitka Tribe of Alaska is holding its annual Tribal Council elections today. Current Chairman Kathy Hope Erickson is not seeking re-election. Two candidates are vying for that seat. Current Tribal Council member Lawrence Woody Woodmark and former Council member and Sitka Assembly member Benjamin Miyasato. There are four open council seats. Five candidates are vying for those. Incumbents Bob Sam, Lillian Feldpausch, and Michael Miller are running for re-election. And Louise Brady, who has run for the office before but has not served, and former school board member Dion Brady-Howard are seeking seats. Polls are open to tribal citizens from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. at the Shikakwan Nakahiti Community House. Raven Radio has offered candidates the opportunity to record candidate statements. Listen to those on our website, kcaw.org. Eight new coronavirus cases were reported in Sitka on Monday. Four men and four women tested positive, all received testing within the last week. All but one are Sitka residents. Six of them are isolating locally, according to city data. The seventh patient is a non-resident male in his 20s whose case is tied to travel. The eighth case is a Sitka resident, but their isolation location and symptom status are marked as unknown on the city's COVID-19 dashboard. Four of the new cases are classified as secondary, meaning they had known contact with a person who tested positive for the coronavirus. Two of those patients are children between the ages of zero and nine. Since April, Sitka health officials have reported 110 cases of coronavirus, most of them residents. 22 of those cases are currently active, according to city data. COVID-19 cases are rising exponentially across Alaska, but Wrangell has only seen two cases of COVID-19 in the last two months. So as more densely populated Alaska school districts move to online learning, students at Evergreen Elementary School had their first week of full-day in-person instruction. KSTK's Sage Smiley reports. Wrangell Elementary students started the school year with a mixture of classroom time and online learning. Small cohorts were in classrooms for half the day and participated in distance learning the rest of the time. But that changed on November 2nd, when elementary students had their first day of full-day, in-person learning this school year. The staff's just over the moon. We're just very excited. It feels more normal. That's Jen Miller-Yancey, the Evergreen Elementary School Administrator. The first day when I was out greeting the students when they came in, especially the younger ones, they were cheering. So, of course, I was out there, rah, rah, we get to stay the whole day today. And they were like, yeah, 
couple of the fifth graders were a little less excited, but when they got to see what the day looked like and they were all on the playground together and the A group got to see the B group for the first time, you know, on the playground, that was like, okay, this is, this is pretty cool. We can live with this. She says the main difficulties with a transition to full-day school were minor. Students who had been in the afternoon cohort seemed to have a little trouble getting out of bed. We had a little bit of a tardy uh, line kind of going out the door the first day, which then the second day went down pretty significantly. Miller Yancey said the elementary school had to be cautious at the beginning of the year. They had all but one of their school aides leave, which meant some staff reshuffling in order to open with proper COVID-19 mitigation. We had so many unknowns. No one's ever done a pandemic before. We had masks to contend with. We had screenings. Um, sanitation to deal with. There were so many moving parts. But as winter set in and seasonal jobs started to wrap up, Miliriancy says the school had a flood of applications and was able to fill empty aid positions as well as round out the substitute teacher list. Enrollment across Wrangell Public Schools is also down this year. As of late October, enrollment was just 58% compared to this time last year. That's 130 fewer students. That freed up teachers who had been filling those screening and sanitation positions, making full-day school possible. Miller Yancey wants to keep school open. I think a lot of parents were just, you know, waiting for it, being very patient about it and understanding that everybody's just trying to get through the pandemic situation and keep it safe. Miller Yancey says the way to do that, to keep school open, is to keep doing what the school has been doing. Going forward, I would say that I am you know, as the administrator being uh, somewhat of a barracuda about making sure that we're following our mandates, our protocols. She says she doesn't anticipate protocol enforcement being much of an issue, though. We have had zero issues with the students masking, which makes it very easy for us. They just get it. She added that younger students seem to have the easiest time adjusting. Some even forget to take their masks off on the playground because they're so excited for recess. Stikine Middle School and Wrangell High School were already running with full-day instruction Monday through Thursday and half-day hybrids on Fridays. Wrangell has only had two COVID cases in the last two months, one in mid-September and one last week. In Wrangell, I'm Sage Smiley. Local medical staff in Petersburg called on the community last week to wear face coverings in public to slow the spread of COVID-19. Petersburg emergency officials issued a recommendation for masks and other measures, but are not pursuing a mandate. Jovic Nicky reports. The request came during Monday's borough assembly meeting from multiple medical staffers at Petersburg Medical Center. Dr. Selena Burt encouraged use of face coverings. COVID-19 is not a political issue. It's a public health crisis. And wearing a mask in public is not a sign of weakness or of fear. It actually shows that the wearer understands that he is a part of the community and that he values other people within the community. So I want to ask everyone in Petersburg to please show your respect and honor your fellow community members by wearing a mask when you go out in public. Thank you. The hospital's chief of staff, Dr. Jennifer Heyer, thought the community may be failing its most vulnerable. I've talked to my elderly and chronically ill patients who are severely anxious and afraid of contracting COVID. They know they would not survive the illness. They pose the question to me, why can't everyone just wear a mask in public? 
why doesn't my community want to protect me? Similar pleas came from other medical center staff. Chief Nursing Officer Jennifer Briner went further and asked the Assembly to reinstate a mask mandate. We know that masking helps decrease the spread of COVID-19. We know that it can be wildly unpopular and making the unpopular choices hard. I'm asking you, who have the power to make a difference for the physical and financial health of Petersburg, to make the hard decision of asking people to wear a mask when they enter a public building in order to keep our community healthy and our schools and businesses open. Public testimony, though, was not all in favor of that step. Parent and coach Craig Anderson has taken issue with the reporting of a recent case that local officials connected to travel to Juneau despite the youth shooting team taking COVID precautions on that trip. That's problematic for me when we start talking about automatic mask mandates given the facts of this particular situation were not correct. But here we are talking about mandatory masking. I'm not in support of that without testing. The school board is now going to be meeting, and I assume the borough as well, about a mandatory mask mandate or some sort of directive based off of this last event that was not portrayed correctly. I, as a parent, would like to see increased testing of kids in school so they can get back to a normal life and normal activities. Statewide, the number of positive cases increased last week for the fifth week in a row. The Alaska Department of Health and Social Services reported over 10,000 active cases in Alaska this week. State health officials say most new infections they're seeing are from community spread, not from travel. In Petersburg, four cases were still active at the beginning of the week. Another was announced on Thursday. Medical Center CEO Phil Hofstetter read a letter to the Assembly urging more health precautions. Petersburg has experienced a spike with cases, but due to the rapid response, the risk appears to be mitigated. And I applaud the PMC team, community, school, public health, and borough incident command team response. As activities and people are pushed indoors from winter, we anticipate an increased number of cases. The letter also asked the community to use face coverings in indoor public spaces, avoid large gatherings, and use social distancing and hand hygiene. The borough's incident commander, Carl Hagerman, told the assembly he was drafting a health alert that recommended those measures, but stopped short of mandating any. Everybody is, is definitely getting uh, weary of the pandemic, and it is, it's wearing a lot of people down. Um, but as, as we can see with the new case counts that are uh, skyrocketing in our state, it's, it's not the time that to let down. We, we have to resist the fatigue that we're seeing, and we really need to try our best to uh, mitigate any potential spread in our community. Petersburg briefly had a mask mandate in April that relied on voluntary compliance. Since then, local elected officials haven't been interested in reinstating it because it's seen as too divisive for the community. The Dunleavy administration has declined to issue a mandate at the state level as well, but has put that decision on local governments. In Petersburg, I'm Joe Vicknicki. I'm Erin Fulton, and this has been Raven News.